Proverbs chapter 2, we'll look at the first, uh, the first nine verses of chapter 2. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that Walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. I want to focus this evening on uh, what it means to have personal revival. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this evening. Lord, what a blessed opportunity to be in your house this evening, especially after not being able to gather together and worship and just lift up your name amongst your people. Lord, we're excited to be here. Lord, I pray that you'll help us in this time to expound upon your word to flesh out what the first eight verses of this uh, chapter 2 of Proverbs means to us. Lord, enlighten our eyes and give us understanding that we may see that uh, revival is not something uh, far away, it's not something mythological, it's not something that's unattainable, but it is a, it is a reality that we can have revival in our own lives. May we see that in your text this evening. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking on wisdom and how wisdom has been put on display. Last week, we closed out chapter 1 looking at Lady Wisdom and how Lady Wisdom, she cries out in the streets. She cries out in the place of business. She cries out in the place of politics. From the White House to the jailhouse, we see that wisdom from above is needed very much in our nation. But as we turn to chapter 2 this evening, Solomon has brought us to another cry that exists inside of the nation. It's not from the jailhouse. It's not from the White House. It's not from the streets. It's, it's not from the Congress. But it's, but it's the cry for wisdom in the life of the believer. Here in these first eight verses, the matter of revival is put before us. It is to say that these first eight verses um, give us a roadmap, a how-to for the believer who has grown cold, how to have a renewed relationship with God. I would say that for any person who's been serving the Lord any time at all, for any person who's 
had a serious desire to serve the Lord, understands the words of Arthur Robinson when he wrote that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He says, Oh, to grace how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let, thy, let that grace now like a fetter bind my wondering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I think if we're honest with ourselves this evening, that we understand this hymn more than we'd like to admit. We understand what, what was straining upon Arthur Robinson's heart. It, it seems that it is a strange thing that we have this desire to serve God. We confess that we love God, yet we understand the reality of what it means to grow astray in a relationship with Him. Our heart knows what it means to lose the closeness that we once had with God. We, we understand, though we don't like it, that feeling of slipping further and further away from our God, even though we don't want to. And no matter what we try, it seems to bring no avail. But here in our text this evening, wisdom is speaking to one with such a heart. Wisdom says you can have revival. You don't have to wait until we have revival in the week of October. You don't have to worry about waking up on Sunday morning and driving church to church and finding someone who has a sign on the front of the building that says revival and rush in there and experience it. According to Proverbs chapter 2, it says that we can have revival in our own lives this evening. If we'll just heed the right voices. Much as Solomon warned his son about the worries of going astray. Here Proverbs 2 stands as a lighthouse built for a ship upon stormy seas. These are constructed to bring the weary vessel back to the Lord. Satan oftentimes his, does his job so well if we're honest with ourselves in life, we, we make mistakes, we, we make failures. I, I know this is hard to believe, but nobody in this building is perfect this evening. But Satan is masterful in our lives, coming alongside of us after failures and softly whispering to us that you will never have revival again. He's masterful in, in the aspect of making us believe after failures that were disqualified from ever being used by God again. And before long we say, how can we ever be close to God again after such tragic and bad decisions? But set before us is this path to be revived. First, notice the heart of revival. This heart of compassion, he says in verse number one, my son. If thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, my son. Notice this. This is the heart of compassion, a, a father speaking to his child in the same way that Solomon is speaking to his son. It is the same way our heavenly father speaks to us, my son. My, my daughter, my, my child. He goes on to say, if, if, you, if, if thou wilt receive my words, and hide my commandments with thee. 
Now, as I said, this, this statement, my son, it is a sign of compassion. It is also, uh, I, well, I don't know if the word should be a familiar, a fam- it's a family statement. It's a relational statement. There used to be a man in this neighborhood who me and my friends used to often irritate as we would cut through his property. And he'd say, son, you boys better take this down the road. And now he was calling me son, but notice he didn't say my son. He was offering advice, but it wasn't from the area of instruction or compassion. It was for my own life safety. But what Solomon says here, he says, my son. There is a way for us to have a revival, but notice what he says in the heart of compassion. The Lord really speaking to his children. If you want to have revival, you need to understand that revival is conditional. My son, where does the condition come in? If thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. First, I want you to see that, that wisdom, that, that a, a revival in this life, a revival in the life of a child of God is conditional. And it is brought to us in this word, if. If we don't heed the word, if, you will not experience revival. Your train will derail right here. The next seven verses will not matter if you do not understand. There is a condition for revival. If you arrive here week after week and Wednesday after Wednesday, and you use Wednesday as a, I'm not saying this happens, but as a time of power uh, power nap, or if you work through in your mind about how you're going to handle the things that uh, you need to get done on Thursday and Friday and all the matters of this world, you can be here and you can receive the word of God and you can hear the word of God. But if you don't apply these things, well, then you're not going to experience personal revival. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. But notice what he says here. He explains to us, in the relationship of verse number one and verse number two, that you will never experience revival drifting away from God. Notice what he says. My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, verse two, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Understand the relationship here. The heart of the father in verse number one, he says, it's my desire that you would not only hear the words, but in verse number two, he further explains that the heart of our heavenly father is not for us just to hear words, but it's for us to apply words. You see that in verse number two, so that thou. It's that's those three words right there is the explanation of why we heard in verse number one, why we received the words, why we hid the commandments so that it would produce an action in our lives. So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto understanding, understanding. But understand a great hindrance in the personal life, a great hindrance in our personal life. The reason we don't experience revival like we should, the reason that we don't feel renewed like we should feel, 
is because we do well at verse number one and we fail at verse number two. We hear that there's forgiveness, but we don't apply it. We keep judging ourselves. We hear that God has given us wisdom into not doing these things, and yet we hear these things that he tells us, but yet we don't apply it to our lives. We still make our own decisions as we get out into the highways and byways. This is one of the greatest hindrance in personal revival. It's not from a lack of knowledge in the life of the believer. It is from a lack of application of truth in the life of a believer. So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and upon thine heart unto understanding. This is the desire of our Heavenly Father, not only to hear, but to apply. This is what Solomon warned his son in last week when we seen in uh, chapter 1 and verse number 32. What did he say? He said, it is the heart of complacency that destroys the fool. It's the heart of complacency that brings destruction in our lives. And so it is true. And if you sit back and recognize it, you believe it, you can see it to be true, even in your own life. When you have been warned to heed God's word, when you have been warned and given wisdom in God's word, and you fail to heed it, does it not only make you more miserable? Does it not only seem to destroy you even more? It is the, it's, it's, it's baffling to me, really. But yet I find it to be a truth in my own life. The struggle is real, to know truth, to know wisdom, and yet to understand that there's a battle within us to apply the wisdom in every step in our life. There is a danger in the heart of complacency. But what does this look like in the life of a believer? Well, the heart of complacency looks like, well, even for some who say, well, you know, hey, you know what? I, I was in sin, but I'm out of sin. But I'm not going to do anything to get back where I was. This is where Solomon's headed in verses really four, five, and six. Well, I'm not saying the things I used to say. Well, I'm not going to places that I used to go. Well, I'm not doing the things that I used to do. But in return, there is a never a return for relationship. David would even do this after he sinned in his own life. He said, restore unto me the joy of my own salvation. He, he wanted his heart to be made alive again. He wanted his relationship to be renewed again. Solomon would say, son, if you want revival in your personal life, this is what you need to do. Look at what he says in verses three and four. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Her is this reference to wisdom here. Solomon would say, uh, says, it works. You can have revival back. But the way you have revival back is by pursuing after it. And pursuing after wisdom, which in verse number five, it will say when you pursue wisdom, guess where you end up with? With the Lord. And so he says that you can have revival back, and this is the desire for our heavenly father, is us, for us to seek wisdom, for us to cry out for wisdom, for us to search the word of God as the treasure that it is. My son, my daughter, you can have revival, you can have your burden lifted, but you must seek the Lord 
holy, fully. He must be the object of our focus. That's really what verses 4 and 5, 3, 4, and 5 really gives to us. You want to experience revival. It is a leaving of what you did and a focusing about where you're going. Let me put it into an illustration for you. Several, well, several, like 30 years ago, my family went with my uncle on a houseboat trip. I was excited. We anchored off in this cove, and after we anchored off in this cove, my uncle filled up this little five-foot raft for me to go fishing on. I was so excited about this raft. He fills it up with air. He throws it in the water. I jump in the water with my oar and pole in hand and began to fish the entire cove. As I was getting down further into the cove, I got a bite, and when I jerked the line, I pulled the hook right out of the fish's mouth, and it went right into my raft. And I could hear it. In that moment, believe this or not, I began to paddle and row with all my might to get back to the houseboat. I didn't stop and say, hey, look at the scenery. I didn't stop and say, hey, you know what? I have a few more casts. I didn't stop and shout and say, hey, guess what I just did? No, with everything I had, I tried to get back to the safety of the houseboat. This is the reality of what's being presented to us here in this text. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah, we're going to make bad decisions. Yeah, we're going to mess up. But verses 4 and 5 and 3, 4 and 5 and 6 really says, what are you doing now that you know you're in this condition? What are you doing now that you hear the air leaving your raft? What are you doing now that wisdom has been given to you? Are you applying it to your life? Are you heeding it? Or do you hear this? Do you recognize it's time now more than ever to wholeheartedly focus and roll to safety lest the destruction of the fools come upon you? As chapter 1 of verse 32 says, what are we doing? This is the reality of the, the personal revival. It takes an acknowledgement of our standing and calls for us to, with all our heart, seek the Lord, to, to wholeheartedly focus and follow after Him. He says, My child, if, if, if you found yourself on life's journey, losing air. If you found yourself on life's journey, the best thing that, and you're struggling, the best thing you could do is stop talking about what you did and start focusing about where you need to go. You see, one of the great applications of these first eight verses is the reality of, I believe oftentimes Christians get PTSD when they sin. We sin, we make bad decisions, we know the truth, we know God's word, and then after we make these bad decisions, we're saturated in guilt, and then we begin to say to ourselves, how did I ever get here? How did I ever revert and go back there? And we, we allow this continual circle to go on in our lives instead of progress. We spin in this circle of guilt in these bad decisions. But Solomon says, from the heart of the Father, 
If you want to get past this, that's going to come by receiving the wisdom of God. It's going to come from treasuring up God's words. It's, it's going to come from making our ear attentive. It's going to come from inclining our hearts. It's going to come from calling out. It's going to call from raising our voices and seeking his face. Personal revival will then take place in our lives. I can hope, I hope you can see this evening what Solomon and what the Lord is really offering up to his children this evening. What's being offered to you in the first eight verses is the opportunity of a renewed relationship with the Lord. A new passion again, a new interest again. Listen, what Solomon is speaking about here, he's not speaking about a decisive relationship. Well, I've made a, I made a decision or the Lord saved me today. This is not what he's talking about. He starts off in verse number one, establishing the relationship. My son, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Revival doesn't come from a decisive relationship. It, it comes from when he has all of our attention, all of our attention altogether. You can't, half of you can't say, I'm going to serve the Lord here. In the other half of you be caught up in the world. It doesn't work out. Several, well, not several. When I was in high school, I worked for a cook's greenhouse. And in the greenhouse, every summer I dreaded that we had to pick all of these greenhouses full of tomatoes. You can just imagine it. Twelve greenhouses, ten foot on this side, ten foot on that side, full of tomatoes for the picking. Well, one summer... Up in the 10th house, Fred began to get panicked because the tomato plants began to die, and he figured out they had what was called corporal root rot. Well, the treatment for the plants was expensive, but what drove me crazy is that he not only made us spray the 10th house, but he made us spray all the way down to the 5th house. And I thought, what a waste of all these chemicals, and what a waste of my time. Within a few short weeks, I was shocked to see that all of the greenhouse's tomato plants were dead. I was brought to the reality of this understanding that just because the effects are showed in the 10th, don't ever forget that the 9th, the 8th, the 7th, the 6th, and the 5th all share the same soil. Before long, the effects of the 10th ruined all the other greenhouses. You see, revival in the very same way will never happen in the life of the believer who's cultivating the world, their own pride, their own desires, and then on the other side say, well, I'm going to serve the Lord here in this section, but I'm going to live my way here. Revival will never happen. Before long, the effects of the world will take its toll on the effects of the part of us that want to, that says that we want to serve the Lord and only bring further destruction. Solomon says, revival comes when self is set aside. The Lord gives wisdom when what he says here in verse 7, when pride is set aside, when we set our mistakes aside. The Lord is to be our Christ, to be our focus. And listen to what he says here in verses 5 through 9. Verses 5 through 9 tells us the great news. 
you see that it starts off with this word here. Five. Then. <laughs> it's great news. Notice what's happening here. Just this word then. A promise is being made to you. This is a a covenant being made with the person who conducts themselves, as he says in verses 4, 5, and 6. For the person who will set aside the world, for the person who will seek the Lord, for the person who will cry out to the Lord, for the person who seeks him like that, then you're going to get to experience something. But only then. Because if you get off on if, you will never experience then. You can't have it both ways. What fellowship does light have with darkness? They both cannot intertwine. You're never going to experience revival while you're cultivating both parts in your heart. Well, the scripture says it's impossible, yet it seems man tries. Verse 5, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity and yea, every good path. Then as long as all the former conditions are met, then this will be all that follows. Then we're going to gain what it means to fear the Lord. Then we're going to understand wisdom. Now understand what is also being said here. This is not so to say that as I said, this is not a decisional thing and this is not to say to us um, that if you work for me, God is not saying if you work for me that I will love you more. He, he, he's saying here in this text, if you will seek me, what will happen in your life is you will actually see what I am worth. You'll actually see who I am if you seek me. You'll actually see the treasure that I am. You can know God personally in ways that will help you to guide you, to help you to guard you. And how does all this take place? Verse number six. The Lord for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. The Bible is God's mouth today where we gain wisdom and understanding in the, word, the Lord's words to us today is simply through the word of God. Now, we live in a troubled society that all of these people are saying, you know, that the Lord appeared unto them, and this is how we ended up with the foolishness of Mormonism and all of these different things. They, oh, the Lord appeared unto me, and this is what he said to me. And it, and it counters the truths of God's words. There is nothing new being unveiled to man that counters the word of God. The complete wisdom of God is unveiled to us in the word of God. Uh, but also understand what he's saying to us here. Oftentimes I fear that people think that 
Only people who are great, deep theologians can experience revival. I fear that oftentimes that people say that, well, you know what? Only somebody like Paul, who God threw off of a horse, can be revived, changed, renewed, and turned around. Only somebody like Paul can experience that. What it means to be made anew, what it means to be revived. But really here in these verses, we're brought to the understanding that it's not the intellect of a man, but revival can be experienced in each and every one of our lives with great simplicity. He lays out what it takes for us to experience revival in our lives. We don't need profound wisdom. Matter of fact, this is the reality to us. You, you don't need to sit back and say, well, if I was smarter, I could, I could, I could come up with some profound wisdom. I, I could have wise sayings. Verse number seven, look what it says. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walketh uprightly. All the wisdom man has ever needed and will ever need is already laid up for us. Our problem isn't, needing to come up with wisdom. Our problem is access to wisdom. He has already laid up for, uh, laid up in heaven wisdom for the righteous. But how do we access it? This is the great problem for man. He keepeth the paths of judgment. He preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, and every good path. This is the cry of the heart of the father to his child. There are going to be times, it's tragic, where we go astray. Now, the variance of that astray is going to vary to each and every one of us. But notice, he doesn't conditionally include or exclude your sin. Revival is open for all, no matter what we did. If is the condition, we will stop following the wisdom of the world and get back to a place where we receive his words and we re, where we hide his commandments within us. If we'll get back to that place, not only where we receive them, but where we actually apply them. It's one thing to know the word of God. It is another thing to apply the word of God. And you will never have full revival in your life until you get to the place where you leave the knowledge of it and get to the place of application of it. You want to experience it? We have to start applying it. Well, how do we... How do we know exactly where to go? How do we know exactly where to, where to find all the wisdom that we need to apply? In the word of God. Seek wisdom there. Understand what you actually have here. Believe it or not, this is not something to balance out your microwave. This isn't something to occupy the back seat of your car. This isn't something that you should leave in the pew. This book right here in these 66 books contains the riches of this life. It is a fine treasure. It is a fine gold. And in it lays the wisdom of our lives for those who are wholeheartedly seeking after the Lord. And when we seek him, 
when we seek Him, when we get in His Word and ask Him to show us, to, when we get in His Word and cry out to Him, we are given this covenantal promise in verse 5, then you're going to understand. What a promise. I don't know about you. Have you ever read a manual to, to put something together or to make a repair to it and say, well, I don't even get this. I've been there several times. It was like foreign to me, like it was hieroglyphics and end up going to another guy who's done. It. He said, listen, I don't know what this means, but let me tell you what I did. There's manuals just like that in the world. But what a promise here. This is an individual promise to each and every one of us as his children, that we'll seek him. It doesn't say that if I seek the Lord and Brother Green seeks the Lord, that he's going to give Brother Green wisdom to give to me so that I'll have understanding about what I'm searching scriptures for. Notice this is a personal covenantal promise to us that if we'll seek him, then he will teach us, then we'll understand the, and we'll have knowledge and the understanding, the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. But we have to seek him, and then we'll have this. And then from heaven, the floodgates will be open, and all the wisdom that has been stored up in heaven will be poured out unto us. But it all hangs in that little conditional statement, if, if you don't do it, don't expect revival. You don't apply it, don't expect revival. If you don't search for scriptures, don't expect revival. It doesn't matter if you know the word of God. If you don't apply it, don't expect revival. Revival comes upon application of the wisdom that we've been given. That's the only way. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for this opportunity again to be in your house. Lord, I, I pray that we search our own hearts, Lord, and see if we are wholeheartedly pursuing after you as wisdom calls for. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to not only to be hearers, as the scripture says, but doers. May we not only be people who testify of your goodness, but we live as if you've been good to us. I don't want to be a, a, a scripture quoter in the sense of, I can tell you what the Bible says you need to do, but I want to be able to tell people that I trusted what your scripture says need, that I needed to do and yielded this great reward in my life just by trusting you. Lord, may we, may we be followers of your word doers of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we continue this study in the book of Proverbs, Lord. It's been rewarding already, already, Lord. And I pray for all the prayer requests that was lifted up beforehand. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.